Our text today is uh, taken from John 8, verse 31 to 36. And like I said, the subject I'm going to be talking about is freed indeed by the cross. And you can see the cross right here. Um, Dan is not here, but I want to say thank you to him for making this cross. Does it look like uh, something that is inviting? No? And he's saying no. (laughs) Okay, let's read uh, John 8, uh, 31 to 36. Then Jesus said to those Jews who believed him, If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They answered him, We are Abraham's descendants, and have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you will be made free? Jesus answered them, Most assuredly, I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. If the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. You know, this word was already preached in many ways. In worship, it was already preached. Paula already preached this word as she was sharing the communion. So, um, what I see is a situation where freedom is what everybody is looking for. The Pharisees wondered and said, we are Abraham's seed. How can you therefore dare say that you will make us free? And I believe that is a position that many of us find ourselves in today. Some think that they come to church every Sunday and therefore they are free. So if you say you will be made free, free from what? I am already free. And uh, there are people, especially if you're from a country like Australia, which is categorized to be in the first world, good health care. Um, good housing, good social systems. And you say, free from what? I have everything I need. I can go to Willis anytime and, you know, do my shopping. Um, I am sick. I have my green Medicare card. That's not an issue. Uh, but from, for some of us who come from what they classify as the third world, That is not the case. We need freedom. But that's not the kind of freedom we are talking about. So we are going to ask three critical questions. Number one, what is the truth? And number two, free indeed. Free from what? And how does this freedom come about? These are the questions that we want to answer this morning. And let's start with the truth. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So Jesus is saying he is the truth. 
And it's, it's, if we talk about Jesus, who is he anyway to claim to be the truth? This is what the Pharisees were trying to make out in their mind. And in John chapter 1, it says, in the beginning was the word. The word was with God. And the word was God. He was in the beginning with God. It's talking about the son of God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, nothing was made that was made. So Jesus is the word of God. In Revelation 9, 13, it says that John said he saw one whose name is called the word of God. Maybe at this point I shouldn't be talking about Jesus. I should be talking about the son of God. And I'll let you know why. And then in verse 14 it says, And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the father, full of grace and truth. So the word became flesh and that is now how Jesus comes in. So, the word was with God. The son was with God. And then he became flesh. Jesus now comes in. So the son is the word. And the word is Jesus. And this Jesus is the truth. And that was in the beginning. In other words, in Genesis. So free indeed. And that's the question we we're saying earlier. Free from what? Verse 32 and 36 talks about you shall be made free. About making us free. So free from what? And that's why the Pharisees posed that question and say, we are Abraham's seed. So how can you tell us to be free? But Jesus said in verse 34 that whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. I said that word was already preached in worship, saying we are not slaves to sin. And how did this sin come about in the beginning? In the beginning, in Genesis, as was said in John 1. God created man. And he created man in his image. You find that in Genesis 1, 26 and 27. And he gave man a specific command. He said of Every tree in this garden you shall eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that one, don't even think about it. But we know that man disobeyed and they ate. And it said, on the day that you shall eat it, you will surely die. But remember also that right there, there was the tree of life. And there was no specific instruction at that time given about the tree of life. But I would assume that they were allowed to eat the tree of life because they said every tree. That is Genesis 2.9. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the life. The tree of life. And he says also in John 15 from verse 1, he says, he is the vine. And we are the branches. So I like to believe that he is life, is, is the life. And we find that man disobeyed, he ate, and then 
death came in. Separation from God. To the extent that God sent man out of the garden of Eden. And even put protection and said, probably man will come back and eat. Then he will live forever like us. So there was separation in the garden. And I just want to look a little bit of what happened in that separation. In Genesis chapter 5. It's not, it's, not, it's not there, but I'll read it for you from here. Genesis chapter 5 from verse 1 says, This book of the genealogy of Adam, in the day that God created man, he made him in the likeness of God. In the day that he created man, he made him in the likeness of God. He created them male and female and blessed them and called them mankind in the day they were created. Verse 3, And Adam lived 130 years and begot a son in his own likeness and after his image and named him Seth. What you'll notice there that he created man in his image and in his likeness. And man fell. There was separation from God. Now man begins to procreate. Adam has Seth. And what does the Bible say? He begot him in his own likeness, in Adam's likeness, after Adam's image. That therefore implies that the nature of sin was now what was inherited by the rest of mankind. Romans 15:19 says by one man's obedience disobedience many were made sinners. And 3:23 says all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Moving from Genesis God begins the process of making a nation. And in Exodus 20 He gives the law, the law that was intended to be used in the nation that he was making. And this law was given as a standard for righteousness, to know right from wrong, to expose the the identity of sin. And that's why he says whoever commits commits sin commits lawlessness or whoever commits sin breaks the law. And uh, in 1 John 3, 4, it says that uh, sin is the transgression of the law or breaking of the law. And once the law was broken, the law that was given by Moses, there was a penalty. If it is sin that is worthy of death, man is hanged on a tree. So the penalty is you are hanged on a tree. A tree. And not only that. You have to observe the whole law. Failure to observe the whole law means you are under a curse. And probably some of you may be wondering and saying, why are you talking about the law? We are under grace and not under the law. So why are you talking about the law? I want to tell you this. In Romans 7, 
Paul is talking about a struggle. And he's saying that the things that he expects to do, the good things that he expects to do, those things he fails to do. And the ones, <laughs> the ones that he should not be doing, those are the ones that he does. Then he realizes that there is a law working in his members or in his body. And he found out that that is sin that was working in him. And he says in Romans 7, 1, he says, Do you not know, brethren, for I speak to those who know the law, that the law has dominion over a man as long as he lives. That as long as you live, the law has dominion over you. He says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. Galatians 5.18. If you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. But that therefore means it is possible that you are not led by the Spirit, therefore you are under the law. It says, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Because the law works with the flesh. That's Romans 8.8. 8. And that's the reason why it is very, very significant for us to understand what the law is all about. So, how does this happen? Jesus said, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. If the Son sets you free, you are free indeed. The reason was there was sin, there was fall, there was separation, the curse came in, the law came, and death came with it. But the good news is this. Jesus Christ came. Hallelujah. And that's the purpose of the cross. To deal with sin, to deal with the curse of the law, and to restore us back to God. Hence, freedom indeed. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. As it was said, by one man's sin, all sinned, also by one man's obedience, many will be made righteous. So how did God do it? Romans 8, 3 and 4. It says that for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. It reminds me of Romans 10.10. 10. It says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But I have come so that you may have life and have it more abundantly. So this is the reason Jesus came. He came in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin and he condemned sin in the flesh that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us. Condition. Who do not walk according to the flesh but according 
through the spirit. That takes us back to what I said earlier. If you walk according to the flesh, the Lord is at work. So how do we then fulfill what Jesus has already fulfilled? The first thing is this. We know that the law says that he who breaks the law hangs on a tree. is hanged on a tree. Death by hanging on a tree. That was Deuteronomy 21, 22 and 23. Galatians 3.13 says this. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, for it is written, referring to Deuteronomy 21. Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. You know, I believe one thing. That the Old Testament is relevant today. There are many people who don't believe that. And the Old Testament conceals the New Testament. The New Testament reveals the Old Testament. Because if you talk about hanging on a tree, let's assume there is no New Testament. You, the law says you hang on a tree. And then the New Testament comes and says, Jesus Christ was crucified on the cross because the Old Testament says cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So Jesus Christ took care of the, the, the law as it, as it was provided for in Deuteronomy 21. He bore the curse, the curse that was pronounced in the garden. If you remember in Genesis 3.17, he said, cursed is the ground. It will produce for you thorns and thistles. Now what happens? In Matthew 27, 29, Jesus wears a crown of thorns and thistles. So he bore that curse upon himself. And the third thing which is very, very critical is he dealt with the issue of slavery. Say that Jesus said, Whoever commits sin is a slave to sin. And Jesus dealt with that on the cross. How? You remember that Judas betrayed Jesus Christ, and the price was 30 pieces of silver or 30 shekels, as they call it sometimes. You'll find that um, in uh, Matthew 27. But go back to the Old Testament concerning the law. In Exodus 21, it says if an animal goes a slave and kills the slave, the compensation will be 30 pieces of silver or 30 shekels. That is the price of a slave. Concerning any other person, any other Jew... That was not the price. If a Jew was caught by an animal, you discuss. You talk about it. And you say, no, no, I would like so much. But for a slave that was set 30 pieces of silver. And you may be asking, 
What is the value of 30 pieces of silver today? In today's terms, bringing inflation um, and, and things like that, devaluation and the like. But the law as it was provided did not make provision for inflation or devaluation. So as a slave today, your value is still 30 pieces of silver. Let's imagine from the time Jesus was, the law was provided and to the time Jesus was crucified, there was definitely inflation along the way. But still, the price Jesus paid was 30 pieces of silver. And I remember that uh, Judas wanted to return it. The Pharisees told him, no way. This is blood money. It cannot come to the treasury. 30 pieces of silver, Jesus paid for that. So the cross is the place of exchange for our freedom. I would like to imagine that it started from the Garden of Eden around here and the walk continues up to the cross So probably this is where some of us are. And uh, we are wondering, what is it to do at the cross? The cross is a place of exchange. Jesus Christ, who knew no sin, became sin for us, that we may become the righteousness of God through him. Galatians 2, I read from verse 16 says, knowing that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. By the faith of Jesus Christ. And I've chosen King James for a reason I'll explain. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ. That we may, that we might be justified by the faith of Christ. And not the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, I want to say something about live by the faith of the Son of God. Nearly all the other versions says, by faith in. But you realize that King James is saying faith of. When you say faith in, what does it mean? I'm sure many of us take it to be our faith in Christ. That is saying faith of. Those of you who studied Greek will tell you that this portion of scripture in Greek the preposition of and in is not there. It takes Jesus Christ as the subject of faith. So (laughs) I want to tell you this. My life changed when I 
discovered this. I realized that many times I've been struggling. My faith in. My faith in Christ. But my faith in Christ is not enough. Romans 10, 17 says that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. So that cannot be my faith. I'm receiving faith from the word of God. Hebrews 12, 2 says, fix your eyes unto Jesus who is the author and the finisher of our faith. Author and finisher meaning that it starts with him and it finishes with him. And we know that we've been said in, in Romans 12 that we have been given a measure of faith. And that measure of faith is for a purpose. I believe he was talking about spiritual gifts then. A measure of faith. This is so, so important. Very, very critical. Again in Romans 1, 7, Paul says, The just shall live by faith. But he was quoting Habakkuk. Chapter 2, verse 4, which says, The just shall live by his faith. Salvation. Ephesians 2, 8 says, By grace we have been saved through faith, not of our own, lest anybody should boast. So if I bring my faith My faith is not sufficient. And that's not to say we don't have faith. But the faith that Jesus has already exercised on the cross is all that is needed. Not my faith. I'm not going to come to the cross by my faith. I'm not going to be saved by my faith. But it is through the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, 4, 14 to 17. This is one of my favorite scriptures. It says, For the love of God compels us. If one died, then all died. That those who live should live for, for him who died for them and rose again. That we should no longer live for ourselves. We should live for him who died for us and rose again. And he said, though we knew Jesus Christ in the flesh, we know him thus no longer. We no longer know Jesus Christ in the flesh. And he says, from now onwards, I will regard no one according to the flesh. I will not see you according to the flesh. But I will see you in accordance to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Because you have been crucified with him. And if you are crucified with him, you died with him. And if you died with him, you were also buried with him. 
And if you are buried with him, you have also resurrected with him. And if you resurrected with him, you have also ascended with him. And if you ascended with him, you are seated together with him at the right hand side of the Father. Praise the Lord. Can I get some amen there? This is so, so significant. To the extent that Paul said, I am determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. 1 Corinthians 2.2 And in Galatians 5.24 he said, Those who are Christ have crucified the flesh and the passions and the desires. So when we're talking about the flesh, we're not just talking about the physical man. It's much more than that when he says the passions and the desires. These are things that come from the inside of you, from your soul. Those things, he says, they are already crucified. It says, therefore, put to death your members which are on earth. Put to death your members which are on earth here on the cross. And he lists them, a number of things. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desires, covetousness, which he says is idolatry. Colossians 3.5 There is a place that we have to go through, and that is the cross. And remember, it is a question of the mind. That's why Paul said we should take captive every thought to the obedience of Christ. And it's not something that happens once and you say it is done. That's why Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 and also in, in, uh, in Matthew uh, 16. He says, if you desire to come after me, take your cross and follow me. In Luke 9, 23 says, Daily, take your cross daily and follow me. So the thing is, we bring everything into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Romans 6, 9, sorry, 6, 10 to 11 saying, Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. We should no longer be slaves to sin. And he continues to say, you are a slave to whom you offer yourselves to obey. Whether sin to death or obedience to righteousness. So it is a question of obedience or disobedience. The issue is it starts with sin in the garden. But it has to come to the cross. It has to come to the cross. At the cross, that is where it all happened. At the cross, that is where freedom comes. We will not get freedom unless we are crucified on the cross. No amount of prayer will bring freedom unless that prayer brings us to the cross so that we are crucified like he has already done it. It's a place of exchange. We take 
what he has already done. For he said, it is finished. It is already done. And we have to take captive our thoughts to the obedience of Christ. As we close this message, probably there are lots of things going on in your mind right now. Like the Pharisees asked all those questions. And you're saying, am I really free? Am I really free? But I want to tell you this. You are free indeed as long as you go through the cross. Freedom comes by the cross. It says, if the spirit that raised Jesus Christ dwells in you, he who raised him from the dead will also give life to your mortal flesh. That's why Paul said, the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. I would like us to respond to this message. Trusting in the faith of the Son of God. And like Paul said, you have not yet resisted up to death, like death on the cross. It is already done. I would like us to, or I prefer to use the word trust or believe in him. Romans 10 says, if you believe in your heart, you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that he was crucified, that he died for me, then you will be saved. You will be saved. And I like trust also. In Psalms 125, he says, those who trust in the Lord are like Mount Zion, which cannot be moved. As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so the Lord surrounds his people from this time forevermore. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6 say, trust in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but trust in him. Trust in what he finished in the cross. He will give you the desires of your heart.